0: So page 1,245, starting from chapter 17. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a desert desert there I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns the woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold precious stones and pearls she held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries the name written on her forehead was a mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Then the angel said to me, why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast she rides, which has the seven heads and ten horns. The beast which you saw once was now is not and yet will come up out of the abyss and go to its destruction. The inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast because it once was now is not and yet will come. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven hills on which the woman sits. They are also seven Kings five have fallen one is the other has not yet come but when he does come he must remain for only a little while the Beast who once was and now is not is an eighth king he belongs to the seven and is going to his destruction the ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom but who for one hour will receive authority as kings along with the Beast They have one purpose and will give their power and authority to the beast. They will wage war against the lamb, but the lamb will triumph over them because he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and with him will be his called chosen and faithful followers. Then the angel said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. The beast and the 10 horns you saw will hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to hand over to the beast, their Royal authority until God's words are fulfilled. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the Kings of the earth. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven he had great authority and the earth was illuminated by his splendor with a mighty voice he shouted fallen fallen is Babylon the great she has become a dwelling for demons and a haunt for every impure spirit a haunt for every unclean bird a haunt for every unclean and detestable animal for all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Thank you, James, very much
1: indeed for reading that dramatic reading. Incredible sort of picture language which is telling us about the world in which we live. Let me have my welcome to my dishes. It's really, really good to see you, uh, and uh, great to see Uh, Trinity regulars great to see a few people who are visiting great to see some people who've come back after a while welcome great to see you we're going to look at that part of the Bible together um, so please do keep it open it's on page 1245 in the Red Bibles and uh, we want to listen humbly to what God's saying so we're going to pray to him and ask for his help if you're a praying person please join me let's pray Father God thank you that your word comforts us when we're feeling weak. Uh, It reassures us when we're feeling guilty. It it challenges us when we're feeling proud. And I pray, Father God, that as we listen to your word today, that it will be bringing us into that place where we depend on you more, that place of total safety. And please, Father, by your spirit, speak to us and remind us of what we most need. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, well as as some of you know i come from a you know quite eccentric family i think i'm probably the the normal one of the hobson clan and my sister and my brother-in-law like to take on different challenges as a couple and they've got an app which tells them different things that they should do so i've got a screenshot here of their challenge for this week it says party like it's 1723. Um, uh, it says it's 1723 so that means no electricity Put away your phones, switch off the lights, bring out the candles, enjoy your evening together with no distractions, just the two of you in a cozy environment. Living like it's 1723, no washing machines, no shampoo, uh, no central heating, no phones, no TV. I don't want to live like that. I don't know if that's, you know, if it's just me. I I don't want to live in 1723. I want to live in 2023, where they've got Hot showers and, you know, and comfortable beds and, and all those kind of things. I, I love the modern world. And I think we're privileged to live in the 21st century, aren't we? Do you think that's Chi? Um, I mean, what a great city to live in. I, I'm, I'm no professor of economics. You'll know that straight away. But I think it's right to say the reason that house prices in London are so high is because everyone else wants to live here. Isn't that true? Is that roughly true, I think? I mean, we're the ones who get to live in a world city. It's fantastic, isn't it? We can have a picnic in Regent's Park. We can go to a West End show. We can book a restaurant table on our phone, and then we can catch an Uber home. And did I mention the coffee? Ah, the coffee. Many of us are doing really well by the world standards, aren't we? Uh, if the truth be told, I, I, you know, I know we've got gripes. I know that things are sometimes hard. But by world standards, a lot of us are living pretty comfortable lives. Um, I, I think that's probably right. And um, this is a good time to be alive. This is a beautiful part of the world. But if we're Christians, we need to be careful. We need to be careful. Because according to Revelation, this city is trying to drink our blood is that stark non-christian culture is trying to drink our blood that's what it says roughly speaking in chapter 17 verse six and in the end we've got to decide which city we're going to belong to which city we're going to give our heart to which city we're going to settle down in and and live our lives in with devotion we've got to decide that and that's the challenge of this part of revelation we're looking at the book of revelation over these um, summer months We've said this time and time again Revelation is, is, is the kind of book that scares us stupid I don't know whether you felt a bit scared when James was was reading it to you there's lots of stuff about beasts and prostitutes and and bloods it's not an easy read but it's actually it's actually that a resource. we're calling our series do not be afraid the words of Jesus that come right at the start and right at the end uh, and we've seen this stunning opening to the, to the book of Revelation. If you see the first summary, of the first part of the book there, Jesus in all his glory is walking among the lampstands. They, they represent the churches. Jesus knows our church. He knows Trinity Church, Islington. he's not far away. He's walking with us. We need to know that. And, and then in the book of Revelation, he takes us backstage and he shows us what's really going on. We, we get to sort of access all areas past, and, and he shows us what's going on, so that we can put our current context, our current experience, in some sort of context. Yeah, that, that's what Jesus wants us to do. The way that we're feeling now, the things we're experiencing now, he wants us to put that in context, the context of the history of the world and the context of what's going on in heaven. So we've had all the sevens remember the seals and the trumpets and the signs and the bowls. They represented the, the persecution and the mission of the church the, the battle in heaven and then the judgment that comes from heaven. And now what's left? Next slide. You can see that the fall of Babylon and the final victory and we reach the famous end of the book. Yeah, and, and, and the apostle John the same as the disciple John later on in his life, he He's trying to challenge us to decide what city we we belong to, where we're going to put down our roots, where we take our citizenship from. And that's what Revelation 17 is going to show us. Here's the first point. Uh, The woman and the beast, godless culture, won't last. Have a look down at chapter 17, verse 1, page 1245 let me read out the first four verses one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls you remember we we saw them before came and said to me come I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters with her the kings of the earth committed adultery and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a desert there I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names, and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold and precious stones and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand, filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. Wow. Is this how you picture a world with all of its incredible opportunities? Is that how you think of it? I mean, again, like chapter 12, we're taken out into the desert. Now, it, it seems in the book of Revelation that when you're taken into the desert, when you're taken into the wilderness, you can see things a lot more clearly. And um, again, like chapter 12, we're looking at a woman. Um, but that time, then, the woman was the people of God. Do you remember? Uh, the woman was the people of God. But this time she has Babylon written on her forehead so you can't miss it this this is the sort of anti-church if you like that that was that was god's people this is the anti-god's people um, this is non-christian culture a sort of summary of of the pagan world throughout time and history but you notice how shiny it is this was an artwork that appeared in the city of london at, right next to a church actually um, did you see See this when it was down in the city? I don't know if you walked past it. It's called, it's got a great name actually, More Really Shiny Things That Don't Mean Anything. That's a great name for a sculpture, isn't it? More really shiny things that don't mean anything. And Babylon is just full of shiny things in chapter 17. Just full of them. Verse 4, you see purple and scarlet, gold, precious stones and and pearls. And then chapter 18 fills it out even more. Uh, if if we were to read that out, it's this city just glitters with art and industry. The markets smell fantastic. Uh, even basic things like like wood, you know, you go down to B and Q and 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 the four by four is like really is is made of scented, costly wood. you you, you can't get anything ordinary. 18 verse 12, it talks about gold, silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen, purple silk and scarlet cloth, every sort of citron wood and articles of every kind made of ivory, costly wood, bronze, iron and marble. And the nations, just like in in London, the nations flock there to work and, and to study and young people marry here and culture thrives and there are artists and there are artisans and the wheels of industry turn around, and politicians and big business are just delighted with one another. You know, they've, they couldn't work more closely together if they wanted to. The food is Michelin starred, And the whole picture is, it sort of lures you in, and it turns you on. That's, that's the idea. And verse 2, with her, the kings of the earth committed adultery. And the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. It's it's meant to be sexy and alluring. But notice, too, there's something very rotten right right at the heart of this city. There's something that's gone wrong with Babylon. Um, She's a woman who's sitting on a a beast. And um, beasts in Revelation, do you remember, we saw before, are like Satan's henchmen. Uh, the beast, um, chapter 17, verse 8, described, um, see chapter 17, verse 8, the beast which you saw once was, now is not, and yet will come up out of the abyss and go to its destruction. And then again it says it once was, now is not, and yet will come. You see, if, if the woman is the opposite of the church, the sort of anti-church, then the, the beast is the sort of opposite of God, the, the anti-God. Um, God is the one who is and who was and who is to come. Uh, do you remember Smyrna back in the Seven Letters? Uh, a church called Smyrna. Um, describes as a place where Satan has his throne. It's a stark description of a, of a backwater in Turkey, isn't it? Um, I, I grew up in a sleepy village called Angmering. Uh, Dawn grew up just across the tracks in East Preston. And as you come from East Preston, you, you, you cross the railway line and you go up Station Road. And uh, just on your left is a sign that says Angmering. Uh, and then little as it says twinned with East from Reva Bella. That's the, uh, we had to learn about that when we were at school. Imagine if you were driving from East Preston to Angmering, and you came to this sleepy village in Sussex, and it said, Angmering, where Satan has his throne. Can you, can you imagine that? <laughs> but non-Christian culture rides on the devil's back. That's what it says in, uh, in Revelation, and it will silence Christians if it can, just as much in Angmering as, as, as in the universities of London. And that's what makes Babylon such an appropriate name um, for the sort of anti-God society, you see. It's so appropriate. And verse five Babylon the Great. Um, here there's some aspects of, of Babylon that represent the city of Rome. So it's it's built on seven hills. Verse nine. Babylon's a bit like Rome. Uh, it's a place where Christians were sometimes set on fire, they were covered in tar and one emperor set Christians on fire to illuminate his dinner parties, um, that's what used to happen in ancient Rome. Um, in, in, other, in other aspects it's like the actual Old Testament city of Babylon itself, that was where God's people were taken on exile, Do you remember they came and they smashed up Jerusalem and, and, and they took a load of people off to Babylon to be used as slaves. Or, or, or in an, another regard, it's a bit like the Tower of Babel. As you remember, right back in, in, in Genesis, quite near the beginning, people decide they're going to build God out of society. Uh, they're they're going to rival God. Uh, they, they, they're going to set up their own roots of satisfaction and self-sufficiency. They're going to make a name for themselves. They're going to manage just fine without God's help. That sound familiar? And um, here's a quote on the screen from Homo Deus, uh, top 10 non-fiction novel uh, or bestseller from 2017. Homo Deus by Yuval Noah Harari. Uh, you may have read it. Homo Deus means man as God. And here's a quote. We don't need to pray to any God or saints to rescue us. We know quite well what needs to be done in order to prevent famine, plague, and war, written pre-pandemic, you notice. <laughs> to prevent famine plague and war and we usually succeed in doing it that's the world we live in this wonderful world that offers so much this astonishingly great world and it is at times astonishingly great and enjoyable but the surprising news of history is that our great civilization opposed to God is fundamentally unstable that's what it says at the end of chapter 17 Have a look at chapter 17, verse 16, just over the page. And the beast, it says, hates the prostitute and and burns her with fire. The non-Christian world is unstable, you see. Um, I've lost count of how many splits there've been in the World Society of Humanists. They're forever splitting. But the, but the non-Christian world is unstable in, in the way that it can sort of fall apart at a moment's notice. You, Russia, last week, that close to civil war. Did you notice that? Russia. Um, America. Um, do you know what its debt is? $32 trillion. $32 trillion owed by America. So be very careful. I mean, we, you know, we want to be very careful. Um, London is a great city, but it's full of shiny things that don't mean very much. And they can lead you away so easily. None of us are immune. There was someone in the first century, We don't know much about him apart from a few letters that he wrote, who's called Ignatius, he was a first century Christian. Uh, But one of his phrases has survived from one of his letters. Uh, And he wrote, apart from Christ, let nothing dazzle you great thing to write isn't it apart from christ let nothing dazzle you see this world for what it really is don't be dazzled by it it is unstable and it will drink your blood if it can which is why ultimately we need to be set apart from it that's the second point. point two announcements and three woes this is in chapter 18 Christians must walk away from godless culture. There comes a point where we have to walk away from godless culture. Chapter 18. Let me read um, verses 1 to 4. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice, he shouted, Fallen! Fallen is Babylon the Great. She has become a dwelling for demons and a haunt. For every impure spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable animal, for all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Then Then I heard another voice from heaven say, come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins so that you will not receive any of her plagues. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. My friends, God is gonna bring non-Christian culture down. You need to know that. that. That confidence that we can solve all of our problems ourselves, what's loosely referred to as secular humanism, what people think of as sort of normal or neutral, in in the Western world that will all come to nothing it will be broken all of it in as much as that it set itself up in opposition to God so sometimes we will have to come out of her we'll have to run away from non-christian culture we will have to be distinctive so that we won't receive the plagues that we saw being poured out On Godless culture last week. We've got to stay safe. You know, if if we've allowed all of our hopes and dreams to be focused here in Babylon, all of that beautiful luxury and ease of life and final salary pension schemes, if that's where our heart is, then we need to know that, that that world is paper thin and it's going to fall and all of our hopes and dreams are going to fall with it. And how how will the kings of the earth, all of those decision makers, all those influencers, people who have power, the business leaders, the influencers, uh, those who set up unicorns, is that right, a a billion pound business within a year, how are they going to feel? They will weep and cry, it says. They're going to cry, woe, woe. Think, um, if you don't mind me mentioning this, think Twin Towers on on a sunny morning. the the titanic on its maiden voyage the lights are going to go out and verse 13 all that cinnamon and spice and verse 14 all your luxury and splendor has vanished it's going down all the conspicuous consumption of the modern world which feels like so much fun (laughs) is going to go like that and there's a picture from jeremiah where he he throws a scroll into the, into the sea to, to symbolize the downfall of, of, of Babylon. Here, the angel is throwing a millstone into the sea, <laughs> hundred times bigger. And what's left is just weeping and crying, not just from the politicians and the captains of industry, but, but ordinary people whose dreams were invested in the here and now because it was all built on greed and it will be seen for the emptiness that it is. You know the, the the first babylon in in genesis 11 sort of shook a fist at god and the and the second babylon in two kings wanted to shake a fist at the, at the world they wanted to be a world power but the third babylon here in revelation was well, something that feels a lot more mundane a, a lot more down to earth which is piles and piles of material things based on the exploitation of others sound familiar Come out, says verse 4. Not that we're going to start a monastery um, here at Trinity Church, Islington, and sort of lock ourselves away from the world. There, there are many things in, in the world to enjoy. We're just not to settle down there, you know, we're not to overinvest because there's a much better place to live. Much better. And that comes in chapter 19. Let's have a look at that uh, before we finish. Page 1247. Now, uh, let me read from chapter 19, verse 4. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne, and they cried, Amen, Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you who, his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him the glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Now that's, that's our third and last point from, from this part of Revelation Four hallelujahs. The Lord Almighty is inviting you to a better city. Because it, in a sense, this is a this is a tale of two cities. I mean, I, it talks about um, the bride, but we know from chapter 21 that, that the bride is the city. Yeah. Uh, the holy city and, and and the similarities between these two cities are not coincidental. The similarities between Babylon and, 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 and the New Jerusalem. So the, the New Jerusalem is built on blood as well. Do you notice that? Um, it's built on the blood of Jesus, the, the sacrifice of the lamb that was shed on the cross. And, and, and the New Jerusalem is also a world city. People are going to come from every nation, tribe, and tongue. It's going to be full of activity, full of culture. There's going to be a great multitude shouting. It's not going to be dull. Uh, and, and this city is assured. It's not self-assured, um, but it's confident and settled in praising the reign of the Lord God Almighty. It knows what it believes. It knows it's got a future. Very confident. Uh, there's mention of corruption in the New Jerusalem, but only in as far as corruption and abuse and dishonesty and persecution has been met with judgment. And, and, and God's people rejoice that it won't be any longer. And this new city cares about fine linen um, that's to say the righteous acts of God's people which are bright and clean and given not earned chapter 19 verse 9 the angel said to me write this blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb and he added these are the true words of God the true words of God Babylon's falling um, come out of her, says the voice from heaven. I mean, Jesus wants his lampstands for, 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 for this period in, in, in history. He wants his lampstands to be shining right amongst the lampstands of the city. And we want to be doing that here in Islington. We want to be shining out like a lampstand um, in N1 and, and beyond. We're just to, to take care not to settle down there. Yeah. And if it's not an issue for us now, it may well be as we carry on in our lives. And perhaps we just get a bit tired of the struggle, you know. Perhaps we just um, convince ourselves that we deserve better in terms of material comfort. And there's a well-known story. You you probably have heard of it. It's been around for thousands of years, literally. um, It's one of Aesop's fables. Uh, If uh, you've read those, maybe you told them when you were a child, Do you remember there's a a competition, so Aesop says, between the north wind and the sun to see who can make a traveler take off his coat. Do you remember this? Is this vaguely familiar? And um, however hard the north wind blew, then the traveler only wrapped his cloak tighter in order to keep himself warm. But when the sun shone, the traveler was overcome with heat, and he took his cloak off. Um, why do I tell you that story well I don't know it, it, it might be that the storms of violence and oppression make us give up as Christians that that is possible but often I've, I've noticed you know in my life and in other people's lives when when suffering comes and, and the sort of storms of oppression and and difficulty that often makes us hold on more tightly to our faith doesn't it I think that's true wrap ourselves up in in God's love even more tightly What's dangerous is the warmth of comfort and luxury. That's dangerous. You, you know, the, the, the more that we are sort of marginalize God, or uh, the more that we sort of nurse a perceived hurt by Christians um, and refuse to let go of it, that happens sometimes, the more it will seem that the world has to offer us. That's the danger in terms of security and affirmation and provision and we, we start to notice how much our non-christian friends like us and and how demanding and unreasonable god can be sometimes and and how nice it would be to have a bit of extra money in our pocket and and a bit of extra time on a on a sunday afternoon just to get that project finished before monday morning and 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 we've got to ask ourselves whether we're in danger of getting into bed with the world it's worth asking ourselves that because one day all of this is going to crumble away all those big buildings you know the gherkin and the cheese grater and the walkie-talkie they're gonna fall over the whole world that seems so real is just paper thin and and as surely as the remains of the Babylonian Empire now in I think room 55 in the British Museum um, you know the remains of our culture might be similarly concrete and rubble. The whole whirly gig of London life is one day going to fall to dust. So, so which city are you investing in? Um, if if you've got kids, then what primarily are you teaching them? Uh, you know what what lessons are they picking up? Are, are you teaching them how to get a job that pays well? <laughs> it's not a bad thing. Or you teach them primarily how to get a job that enables them to save God. You know, if you um, if you've got savings, then what, what principally are you looking for? Uh, how to get financial security, or how to invest in kingdom work, principally? If if you're looking for a house, then what principally are, are you looking for? Uh, a safe part of the world with a garden. That's not wrong. Or a place near enough to a great church if if you've got some time with your non-christian friends what principally are you looking for how to have a great evening or how to see them rescued for a better city Uh, we've got a sort of blackboard thing uh, at the top of our stairs you've probably seen it if you've come to our house and um, we've written some things on it um, as a family some things that make us laugh some things that make us think uh, and on that board is my favorite is one of my favorite quotes actually by a guy called H. R. mencken and um, he says this our greatest fear should not be of failure but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter let's pray we'd be investing in the city the lash shall we shall we pray Heavenly Father, thank you for the challenge of your word. Thank you for the stark language of the book of Revelation that sort of makes us think and, and, and puts things in picture language so that, um, so that we can be provoked. And Father, we know that um, this glittery city in which we live, which is so much fun, uh, is crumbling away. And that one day it'll all be dust. Uh, And so, Father, I pray that as we enjoy the city, I pray that as we shine like a lampstand amongst the lights of the city, that we be clear where we belong ultimately. And so I pray, Father, we'd long for that wedding supper of the Lamb where we will one day feast with him. Please, Father, can that be the center of gravity for us, Uh, the thing we dream about, the place we long to be. And we ask in your name. Amen.